in the last three years, Annette and Daniel Fortner have traveled to over 20 different countries, living in some of the world's most beautiful places and sharing them on their YouTube channel. After years of working online and traveling, they now teach others how to live the digital nomad lifestyle. That's right, now you can learn to live the digital nomad lifestyle through their successful course and coaching program, Worker to Wanderer. I need to go do this. <laughs> Have you ever thought about selling everything you own and traveling the world? Is it just a dream or can it actually be a reality? What does it mean to be a digital nomad? Can anyone do this? Find out in today's episode, episode 167 of the WHOA GNV podcast. You are listening to WHOA podcast. Coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. I am your host, Colin Austin, and today's episode is made possible because of my amazing friends over at the GNV Commercial Advisors at Collier's Gainesville. If your business has ever bought land, sold property, or negotiated a lease, you know why it's important to have someone in your corner who knows the market and delivers results. That's why you see so many Collier's Gainesville signs all over town. The G&V commercial advisory team of Collier's Gainesville has the most experienced commercial real estate team in the market, along with access to a global network of industry experts. You guys, with one call, you'll know why so many businesses trust them. I know I do. They just helped me lease one of my buildings and the process was flawless. Definitely reach out to Dan, Jason, and the rest of the GNV commercial advisors at Collier's Gainesville. Learn more by visiting them on the web at collier's.com slash Gainesville. Take a breath. <laughs> hey, that was great. That was yeah. good, right? <laughs> one, one take, two. Boom. Bam. One and done. You guys, today on the show, we have Annette and Daniel Fortner, the creators behind the popular YouTube channel, Chase for Adventure, and I am so excited about this episode. You guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we're super excited. <laughs> so before the before the podcast, I felt like we were about to start podcasting, and I'm telling these guys, I'm like, wait, 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 don't, don't, don't talk about anything. Let's just start hitting record, and let's get into the episode, because, uh, you know, Annette was saying, oh, you know, I used to watch Madden and your son Shaver like when they were at the gym so uh so yes you're right and you were you I think we were trying to make a connection as to where we knew each other right right so wait how do you know that we exist that's my uh, okay. my follow up <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is how this went down and you're not you're not going to remember it until I like say it and it'll it'll click um so you know my wife Shannon right right and you guys went to the gym together right mm-hmm. So I, out of the blue, I get a text message from my wife, Shannon, who says, hey, uh, my friend Annette is starting this YouTube channel and it's gonna be Chase for Adventure and they they need 1,000 subscribers. So you gotta go and subscribe to their channel. And I was like, yeah, no problem. I was like, tell them to subscribe to my channel. And, and they're like, okay, and, and you guys did. And so, so we literally like 
subscribe to each other's channels. So guys, this was like, I'm one of the people that helped them get to that first 1,000, right? Oh, and, that's and now, how many subscribers do you have now? Uh, I think now we have 120 something thousand. 121,000, yeah. Yeah, 121,000, yeah. Wow, <laughs> a little is, ways away from that. Great. You know, it's funny, now that you've mentioned that, I so remember do that you, too. Do you? Yes. Like asking Shannon and telling, well, the thing was, because I knew that 1,000 was such a critical goal to achieve, I wanted to do that before we started traveling. And so I messaged every single person on our Facebook page. On I would log into yeah. Daniel's Facebook page, onto my mom's Facebook page, my sister's Facebook page, and like personally DM every single person to please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And properly gave like a personalized note. We didn't want to spam anyone. Right. So we were like, okay, hi, Joseph. Hey, man, I hope everything's going great in Colorado. I was wondering, and then we would post it. Bam. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, and look at you now. Hello. Yeah, right? We weren't the only ones well, who grew. I don't have 120,000 subscribers yet, but baby steps, you know, baby steps. Which I, Maybe you can shine some light on how to get there. But so, I mean, for, you know, I think it's kind of interesting. A lot of people might not know, like, why the thousand subscriber mark is important with YouTube. Like, why is that important? So I think it's just because nobody wants to subscribe to a channel that has zero subscribers. <laughs> and so we really wanted to, before we started investing all of this money, time, and energy into producing videos for us to have a little bit of street cred, you know? It's not the same like when you have 125 subscribers and it's like, oh, these two nobodies in Thailand versus, whoa, they have yeah. a thousand subscribers. Okay, maybe I'll spend 30 seconds and, judging this video. And to add on top of that, when you hit a thousand subscribers, there's different things that YouTube gives you access to. And one of that being able to monetize your videos. And so we were like, if we can get out of the gate at least as strong as possible, maybe we got a chance. Yeah, right. you know, I didn't, even realize that that was a thing until our scooter channel got up to that number, right? And then I didn't even like monetize it at a thousand. It wasn't until we had, you know, like 2,500. I was like, oh, I can turn on this money thing. <laughs> Click. And I did that like the first month, like a hundred dollars got deposited into the bank account. I was like, no way. Mm -hmm. And now, now because of views and video, like, I mean, we're even with I think we had like 3,400 subscribers on this little scooter channel. I mean, we get like $300 a month. What? And I'm like, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm like, all right, cool. So, you go, dude. Look at hey, that. Man, hey, man. Uh, every little bit helps. Yeah, hey, I, I was move. one of the first subscribers. I just want to <laughs> put that on the record. That's, that's right. So, uh, so you guys, I mean, tell me this story. Like, I, I, I know I've heard bits and pieces of it, but I'm excited to share this with our community. So, uh, please give us your version of how this all unfolded. Yeah. Uh, because you guys are what we call digital nomads. And a lot of people might not even know what that means, really, right? So, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, I feel like, <laughs> the definition, right? But um, but just like, you know, give us your story, kind of explain how, why, why and how you went down this path. Yeah, so Annette and I had started kind of getting into our careers and we had realized that we were working so many hours and not seeing each other at all. And so then on top of that, we always felt like we were kind of underpaid and almost sometimes underappreciated, which I'm sure like a lot of people listening can resonate with. But we really ended up having to fight for me to actually get the day off of our wedding because I was, <laughs> I was working in town and my boss was like, no, you can't take the Friday off before. And on the Saturday that you get married, I mean, we have to stay open, so you need to be on call. And I pretty much was just straight up like, no, I'm not gonna be on call. 
and they didn't they did not like that. Um, but I I wasn't on call. Dude, we had a great married. What? Yeah, I was like I feel like this is one of the biggest days of our lives, and I'm not going to be glued to my phone for work. I'm going to focus on my wife, and that's exactly what happened. And it was like the best day of our lives, even still one of the best days of our lives because we just got to spend so much time focused on each other, and we had all of our families meet, and it was a day that was just focused on our love. And then the next day, we didn't have enough money to take a honeymoon because we were still paying off a lot of debt from when we had traveled in 2015. And we looked at each other sitting on the couch, kind of really honestly riddled with anxiety. And we're like, I can't keep doing this next 40 years of my life. And so that night we were watching TV and next to our TV were two really expensive guitars. And we were like, you know what? If those two guitars sell, we're, it's a sign. We're going to go ahead and sell <laughs> everything else and we're going to go traveling. And wow. they, they sold that night within like two hours. No way. Yeah. yeah. Like Daniel was getting into one truck to sell the guitar over by 39th Street. I was going to the Walmart back when it was by Butler Plaza. Well, it is in Butler Plaza, but when it was on the, the other side by 34th. <laughs> right. To sell the other guitar and that's it. We came home and we're like, guess we're selling everything. And that's what we did. And, and when was it? What year was that? Ooh. 2017. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so 2017, and thankfully we've been able to. So are you guys from this area? Yeah, so I'm from Gainesville. Um, I moved down when I was four years old, and I've been living ever since. Uh, if you're from Gainesville, you know, uh, Mentone on Archer Road, that's where a neighborhood that I grew up in, and then I've, yeah, gone to school here, lived here, grew up here, thought I would never leave, to be honest. Right, and I was born and raised in Miami to Cuban parents that were like, you need to become a doctor or a lawyer. You are <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. When I told my mom that I had sold everything to travel the world, because I only told her after we had sold everything, <laughs> she's like, I cannot believe you. You are going to end up a divorcee under a bridge somewhere, oh, no. and she hung up the phone. We didn't talk for a month, honestly. Oh my gosh. Um, it wasn't until we bought one-way tickets and she realized that, you know, this was really happening that she's like, well, I'm not going to lose my daughter over this. So then we, we got to talking. She still has no idea what we do or how we make money, but that's okay. <laughs> Baby steps. So, I mean, all right. So I'm trying to like go back to, to this decision, right? This whole like put it out there to the, to the world, these two guitars. Yeah. I mean, like simply because of your job and not being, like that was what led to that? I mean, honestly, I think there are a lot of factors. I had battled depression okay. um, for many reasons. I just wanted a life that was free. I felt like I didn't spend enough time with the people that mattered to me, which Daniel's my favorite person in the whole world. And so the fact that I wasn't able to own my schedule, I'm going into a nine to five to not feel fulfilled. You know, Even though I liked my jobs, it just, it wasn't the same as, you know, being able to gallivant and live life. I felt like I was counting the days every single Monday, waiting until Friday to only be excited for the weekend to then Sundays have the Sunday scaries creep into my stomach where I want to throw up because I have to get up at 5 a.m. the next day. Mm -hmm. That to me wasn't life. And so for me, when I approached it to Daniel, I was like, I can't continue living like this. It's costing me my mental health. And so that is what kickstarted yeah. that conversation. She first started the conversation with, hey, I found some jobs in Italy. And I was like, <laughs> Ha <laughs> That's a funny joke. I was I'm like, like, I'm serious and I applied for them already. Sorry. <laughs> she did. And she was like, obviously I wouldn't go without you, but I already applied. So what happens if I get accepted? And it was like, well, I just got into my career. Like I'm, I'm I don't want to make a move right now. I didn't even have my degree, but I was, 
already working in the career field that I wanted to be. So I was like, when am I ever going to get this set up again? Okay, so how hard was this push coming from her then? Uh, it was pretty intense. It yeah. was. <laughs> 100%. In like in a like motivational the, way. In the nicest way possible. But it was like, <laughs> hey, so have you thought about selling everything to travel the world? And I'm like, no, Annette, we're not doing that. Or like, babe, let's Which talk I think about like, I think like everybody, you know, that, that feels like the safe, sane thing, right? Yeah. And so like this whole perspective, like so many people got to be looking at you too, like you guys are insane. Like you're crazy, especially, especially at the beginning. Now right. it's like yeah. played out a little bit like, oh, these guys are geniuses. This is amazing. <laughs> How do they do, you know? But, but you like, know, I feel like a lot of people say, wow, like they had so much courage to do this. For me, if I'm being fully honest with you, it was desperation. I mean, I had literally been on the phone with the suicide hotline just months before our decision. Wow, so you're, and this was because of the depression, which is that yeah, bad? Yeah, it was that bad. And so for me, this wasn't just like a willy-nilly decision. Oh, what if we just start a YouTube channel and gallivant the world? No, this was, I am gonna fight for my life because nobody else is going to. And so I wanna be happy. This is what I think is gonna lead me to happiness. It's definitely not the track that I'm going. We had the careers that we wanted when we were 21 and 22. We had the house, the furniture, the cars. We were looking at having kids and I wasn't happy. So for me to sit there thinking, okay, this is gonna be the next 40 years of my life, going to a job that doesn't make me happy to pay for my mediocre car, to pay for my mediocre rent in a crappy apartment, for what? That doesn't make me happy. I don't feel fulfilled. This is not the situation I want to bring a baby in. And so, yeah, it has played out to something obviously really beautiful and successful and something that has brought us a lot of fulfillment. But it started from a place of the alternative, which is staying in this job and continuing to be unhappy, is way worse than whatever could happen if this were to fail. And this is why I think now when we talk to people about it, and when people do say like, wow, you guys are gutsy, like you obviously made the right decision, I could never do that. I just wanna grab them and shake them and just be like, come on, you can do this. Like, I wake up and brush my teeth just like you. Like, right. get out of bed and make it happen. And so. So how do you get somebody or those people who are reaching out and saying, man, like, or you hear them say, I wish I could do something like this. And you shake them and you're like, oh, you could totally do this. For those people who are like, really would consider the opportunity, how do they start? <laughs> yeah, so. Like what, uh, what's step one, I guess? Annette is the champion of all the steps. Right, okay. so, well now we actually have a course where we teach people how to do this called Worker to Wander. So we take people through all the steps, but step one is to just make the decision to do it. Mm -hmm. What I always tell my students is, if you give yourself a bunch of outs to this lifestyle, you're never gonna do it because if it's not your own self-doubt creeping in, it's gonna be your friends and family that obviously want you to be okay, they want you to be safe, somewhere comfortable, and they don't understand this kind of lifestyle, but it is way easier than it looks. Honestly, when it comes to applying for jobs online, whether it be remote or teaching English online or any of these things, it takes the same amount of effort to find an online job as it does to find a brick and mortar job. Think about it, you still have to go and get interview clothes, you still have to prep a resume, you have to scout out and apply for these jobs. It's the same process for online. But I think because not enough people around our inner circles work remotely, they don't see it as something that's possible for them. And so the first step is I tell them there are plenty of jobs out there and plenty of companies hiring. So if you wanted to live this lifestyle, it's fully possible. Now, if it's a job that you wanna do, that's another thing that you need to consider. So when it comes to that, I tell them YouTube University. There are so many people that can go on YouTube and learn skills like coding, IT, all sorts of things, graphic design, web development. And those are very high paying careers. And nobody's asking you for a degree in these things. 
They're asking for your portfolio, what you can bring to the table. So, so long as you learn the skill, which you can learn for free on YouTube, and then prove yourself, you can get a high paying job that all you need is a laptop for. And then you can do it off a beach in Thailand if you want to. <laughs> which is literally what we've been doing for like three years now. I fully taught myself how to video edit and film all off of YouTube. Right. I have zero professional experience. Well, had zero professional experience. Now, I mean, some of our videos have amassed 600, 700,000 views. Daniel, a million views. Yeah, there's one, of them, there's one of them of a million. Yeah, and we were just like, ah, I can't believe it. It literally started with me like watching videos on my phone, trying to sell our clothes at a thrift shop. Like, What was the one million view video? Uh, it was the, is India safe? Right. Because okay. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like American travelers, India gets such a bad rap. And you, you, everyone's like, you can have the worst and the best day possible in one single day. Oh, no. And we went and we had all the best days possible like in a row. For a month. <laughs> For a month. And so... But because it takes just common sense travel, which I think a lot of people from Western nations go to travel and expect it to just be, you know, America number two, expect people to speak English. But when you're going to India, it is a fully different culture. There is nothing like it in this world. Yeah. And you have to go in that, you know, researched, well-prepared, dressing a certain way. Right. Yeah. Okay. So this setting up this remote lifestyle, yeah. right? And getting these jobs. I mean, what was the first job? Uh, what wasn't I mean, the first was job? It, was, was it the one in Italy? You're like, oh, so, we're going to Italy first. Like, no. So to start, we actually um, we still had like twenty five thousand dollars worth of debt, and we wanted to make sure that we left with like around fifteen thousand U.S. dollars clean, no debt, nothing, just money in the bank. And so that we did the math, and that would float us through Southeast Asia for at least like the first nine months to a year. Right. And so that's how we did it at first. But then we didn't have any jobs? We just yeah, did it. We're like we, we're committing <laughs> to figuring it out. That's exactly what happened. And then we were in the middle of Asia somewhere and we were like, okay, we're kind of running low on money. What are we going to do? And so at that point we had known about working holidays. I'm not sure if they're still existing now, like due to the pandemic, but beforehand, what you could do is as long as you had 5,000 Aussie dollars in your bank, which is like 4,000 US, you could apply for a visa anywhere in the world and then fly to Australia and work and travel up to a year. Uh, and you can just make their like standard of living, which as a bartender, I was making like $27 an hour. And so it was great. So we were able to go to Australia and save up. And that's actually the first job that we did. All right, so in Australia, yeah. saving up on a visa there. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly, yeah, working as a bartender, kind of coming home uh, at like 4, 5 a.m. from a long shift, and it was a lot of fun. We lived with three English people, no, yeah, three English people and two Australians in a four-bedroom house. It, it was, was a cultural experience just <laughs> living <sure>. there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then, so Daniel was doing bartending, and I had, after you know I left my job, I kind of committed to never working for somebody else again. And so I went down the path of entrepreneurship. We started the Chase for Adventure tours, and so we did tours through Australia at a later date. We had already moved out, but I started that business while we were in Australia, which was awesome because it was our first uh, couple thousand dollars that we had made as entrepreneurs, self-made. Um, and then after that, we did the tour company for a little while and it was going great. And then the pandemic hit. And so it died. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the tours were supposed to start March mm. 8th of 2020. Uh, and by March 15th, the world had closed down. So so you just kind of put that on pause for now? Or yeah. Is yeah. something you still want to do? Oh, absolutely. Oh, that yeah. is so much fun. So yeah. definitely something I plan on redoing in the future. But obviously we have to wait for the world to be a little bit more predictable than it is right now. Yeah. <laughs> Has anything bad happened on this uh, adventure of yours? Define uh, bad. What do you mean? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. 
perspective. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is, what would be bad in your perspective? Um, I mean, I mean, some, some, the, something that didn't go, at, you know, so great or as beautifully, you know, YouTube worthy vlog. You know, I mean, not that you. I, I know that you can learn from bad experiences and stuff. Yeah. But like, I know I got to imagine most of the YouTube stuff is, you know, answering questions that you get asked. That you know that. The, the beautiful vlogs, the beautiful lifestyle, like this is this is what, how we, you know, are digital nomads. I mean, what's, but what's bad? You'd be surprised. Yeah. We have some pretty dicey vlogs out yeah. there. <laughs> we just show, we actually don't necessarily just show our lifestyle. We vlog chronologically. So we take people through our day, whether it's an amazing day or whether it's, oh my God, we missed this flight. Now we're going to the airport and then we're having to get on a ferry to get on another overnight ferry. The taxi almost didn't drop us off on time. And literally it's half of the video is us running from terminal yeah. <laughs> to ferry to airport. And then in the midst of it, you have like two people at separate events trying to scam you for like 20 US bucks and you're just like, no, is this a scam? I have to be somewhere. I don't know what's going on. No, 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 no. Bad gut feeling, run. <laughs> right, and that's that was actually caught. One of our, one of my favorite videos mm-hmm. that catches like a real travel day is actually us going from Puerto Princesa yeah. in the Philippines, which to is Siargao. Palawan, to Siargao, which is an island all the way on the other side, which you'd think wouldn't be as complicated, but in the Philippines, everything is like seven times more complicated than it should be. Yeah. So we had to go from El Nido, five hours south to Puerto Princesa, take a flight that was like two hours long to Manila, wait there for 12 hours, take a flight from Manila to Cebu, wait there for an hour, then catch a cab to the ferry port to catch an overnight ferry to mm-hmm. Surigao, to then catch a three hour ferry to Siargao, to then get scammed or tried to get scammed by every single person the entire 45 minutes to our hostel. Yeah, that sounds like a horror story now that like, I'm but using it so her to describe it. <laughs> we had a blast. I mean, that would sound like a nightmare to me. I would, I would feel like I'd be pulling my hair out, you know? To be fair, uh, we were too, but it was also something that had happened after three years of travel. Yeah. And so okay. you develop a little bit of a thick skin and also a, a sixth sense about, you know, scammy situations and that's exactly what happened on this yeah. day. I so th- we didn't get scammed. Thankfully. <laughs> I think really honestly the only negative experience we had was when we, it was kind of like self-induced. We had decided to go to like a, a, an island that had just been like ravaged by earthquake oh. and we were kind of going to see if we could help like spread the word because there was some like there was some sketchy stuff happening between the main tourist island, trying to block tourism opening back up on this island. It was like a, a weird situation. We were like, oh, we're YouTubers. Let's go like see if we can shed light on the situation. And it was just really like getting onto an island that was still mourning the loss of like the people that had died and mm-hmm. still cleaning up all the rubble. But I would really say that was like the only bad experience that we had. And even then we were able to help the island. And so yeah. it ended up being good. But. And that actually led to our first partnership ever on our YouTube channel because the island was actually Gili gone off of the coast of Bali in Indonesia. And we were talking to the hotel owner going like, yeah, we just came because we really wanted to help. We heard that, you know, this was quote closed from people in Bali because they're trying to keep the tourism. Um, but yeah, we're just here to help in any way that we can. And he's like, well, I'm actually a scuba diver. Uh, do you want me to take you on the boat and you just showcase it on your vlog? And we're like, heck yeah. Yeah, first and only time I've ever been scuba diving. And the only time I ever will. <laughs> I will see everything on this beautiful green earth before going back under the water. Yeah? Yeah. Not your thing, huh? Not no. my thing. No, Are no, you no. a diver? <laughs> no. Dude, it's scary. Listen, there's something about, I don't know, water all around, yeah, not I'm, being able to I'm breathe. a land animal, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we feel you on that one. I feel you to the core there. Like what's the, you know, what's the most surprising thing that's happened that was completely unexpected? 
Uh, uh, it would be honestly when we went to an Indian wedding when we were yeah, uh, in India, like right before the pandemic. So we meet up with anyone on Instagram. Like they message us and they're like, hey, we're on the same island as you. Awesome. Let's go grab drinks. And <laughs> so we've cool. met yeah. some like great friends that we still stay in touch with today by that. And so, of course, when someone had messaged us from India, we were doing a bunch of research on like, do we respond to people who invite us to their homes or invite us to their weddings? And everything online was like, if you get a good gut feeling, just say yes. India is like a spiritual place and you will get the most gracious host. So you need to say yes if you get a good gut feeling. Right. And so this person with no Instagram picture, no photos, private account, nothing on Facebook, messaged Annette through our Chase for Venture Instagram and was like, hey, do you want to come to my sister's wedding? And so then I was like, uh, sure, do you have a Facebook link that we could look? And he's like, oh my gosh, yeah, I realize I have no picture here. I promise I'm normal. Um, and we're like, okay, well, why great. Why don't you have a Facebook picture right? then, dude? Right. <laughs> no, but he was actually super duper nice, gave us all the details. We land in Calcutta and he comes in. So we are very lax people. We've slept on floors. We've been homeless at times. Like. It's honestly been an adventure. So we weren't expecting anything when we were going to India and getting invited to this wedding. This guy comes and picks us up in a BMW, which in India, the wealth disparity is humongous, right? You have some of the poorest people and some of the richest people in India. So anyway, he's coming to BMW and we're like, okay. He takes us through this whole entire overnight tour of Calcutta and we're talking to them like, oh, so I've heard that at Indian weddings, you have to wear all of these different outfits. And his sister goes like, oh, this is everybody who's anybody in India is going to be at this wedding. So you need to look to the nines. So we now like, I'm stressed. <laughs> yeah, we were stressed. And we were like, we, were, we, we have nothing. Like, we need to go shopping. How do we do that? <laughs> well, we had another set of strangers contact us on Instagram. And actually, we uh, made the mistake of tagging our hotel in India. And they contacted the owner of the hotel and said, can I please speak to Annette and Daniel, please? And so we get a knock at like 7.30 in the morning. That And then they come and they're like, the phone's for you. And I was like, what are, uh, we just hello? We haven't been here for 24 hours. Yeah, we were like, who is calling us? And this person was just like, oh my God, my wife's your biggest fan, yada, yada, yada. Come to find out, his wife had been messaging Annette but fell asleep when they were trying to set up coffee the night before and she thought she had missed her opportunity. So he was really just being a good husband and was like, oh, no, uh, honey, I've got this. Let me get in contact okay, with Okay, that's great, but we definitely thought we were going to get kidnapped or murdered, okay? Like, how do you know where I'm staying? So we, like, set up coffee in this super public place, and we were like, you know what? If things go south, like, we have an exit. We're in the middle of a crowd. Like, nothing's going to happen to us. Ended up being the sweetest people on the face of this planet. We actually are still in touch with them now. They ended up just having a baby around the same time we did, and so we're waiting till India opens back up so we, like, our kids can go meet. Like, oh that is God, how so nice and how great we right. got on. Well, they helped us find every single outfit for the Indian wedding, didn't let us pay us for any food for the four days that we were in Calcutta. And then we make it to this wedding. They have booked out fully two palaces, not one palace, two palaces in Jaipur at the two most expensive palaces in the entire country. Um, and we're staying in one. The, all of the events, Daniel was playing camel polo. They were giving massages at a Mahendi ceremony. I didn't know that's a thing. No, me either. Oh, we show up and there's like four ceremonies to go to and we show up the first ceremony and we are like, my but it's God, the same wedding? this is lavish. Yes, yeah. four, four ceremonies. ceremonies. So in India, uh, weddings can vary from days to 
weeks? Almost. Like, almost. It can go up to two weeks or several days. And so this one was a two-day ceremony, but there's four that you go to. So there's a Mahendi ceremony, a Haldi ceremony, the wedding ceremony, and something called the Sangeet, which was my favorite, um, because it's a big, fat dance party. Everybody wears like these things called lehengas that look like princess dresses. Daniel's wearing a kurti pajama. He looks like straight up Aladdin. <laughs> um, and they are playing music, and it's just a big concert with tons of food, and they have had the biggest pop star in all of India playing. Not that I knew. I was over there trying to get wine and they're like, oh, but why don't you go look at the act? He's really famous. And I'm like, oh, he's famous? And it, his name is Guru Ranhawa. I don't know if any of your listeners are Indian or know who that is, but I sure didn't know who that was. And he was at the wedding. And so it was that level of mind blowing. I was like, this is for sure a once in a lifetime experience. Yeah, hands down. I don't know if we'll ever experience something that intense and amazing ever again. Right. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy like, to think like, that it all started with just a random Instagram message and like, yeah, yeah, sure, we'll go to your sister's wedding. I mean, but still with like the whole Facebook picture. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. I'm, I'm gonna, I mean, the, in the fact, you, I mean, you kind of said it, you're like, man, like, I don't know, like, uh, we could be kidnapped and murdered. Like, you know, I mean, has there been an experience that was like very questionable, very scary you know? at all? I will say the one scary experience, for starters, to answer your question, no. We have never yeah. been mugged, kidnapped, threatened, nothing scary like that, thankfully. Uh, but there was a time that we thought we had been kidnapped, which was when we were on our way to that sketchy island called Gilly Traumangan right after the not, earthquake. Not that the island's sketchy, but the whole situation around it with the earthquake having ravaged, it displaced like 400,000 people, and it led to a lot of people not having an income, and so they were looking to scam. So right. the island itself isn't sketchy, but the situation around it was. Gotcha. Right, and actually, so fun fact, in Bali and in Indonesia in general, the taxis are run by the mafia, and so the taxi people will kidnap and murder Uber and Gojek people. Um, and so they will have Grab or Uber, or their version of that, but then they will get you off of the app and cancel the ride midway. And we didn't know that at the time. And so when they canceled our ride midway, On a two we hour now, ride. <laughs> We didn't know where this guy was taking us. We thought a car was following us. I even did an Instagram story to my parents in Spanish telling them, hey guys, we're in this island. I don't know what's going on. Just know that I love you and I hope that this turns out and that I'm just doing this for no reason. Uh, but just in case, this is where I'm at. Or yeah. they freaking out? Uh, I don't. I didn't speak to. I didn't think they saw the Instagram no. story. <laughs> Our parents are the worst, but like chase for adventure oh community followers in the history of the planet. I'm pretty sure they don't know where we are half the time. Actually, I think now. I think now. Now they watched it. But like as of like the last five to seven months know where we are now. They were the opposite <laughs> of early adopters. It was like, oh, you have 100,000 people now? I guess I'll watch. <laughs> I'll love. If so I mean that it worked out fine, I guess. You're obviously here, so right. I mean, wow. what ended up happening at the end of that ride? Uh, we got scammed for like 10 bucks and it was, it was, it was nothing fun. crazy. We made it to it the island. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. That was it, yeah. Thankfully, oh out of all the travels, we've had nothing really happen. That's but great. I will also say, word to the wise, it's because we are common sense travelers. We always assimilate to the culture. We always learn parts of the local language so that if there is something fishy, we can understand it. We don't wear any jewelry. You see these earrings? I don't even wear earrings when I'm uh, traveling. We look broke when we're traveling. And that's on purpose. That's because we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. And I want to be able to have a good experience in this country, not a crappy one. So it's all about the attitude and, and the knowledge that you take in to these experiences too. Yeah. 
Well said. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Yeah, very well said. Thanks. Talk to me about like partnerships on YouTube because you said you had that one partnership that kind of came out of the blue, but like now that you're kind of reaching this, you know, celebrity status, <laughs> 120,000 subscribers, like are you finding more and more companies or anybody reaching out to you? Are you getting to stay in cool places because they're like, hey, why don't you come stay at our very fancy place and we'll put you up and you know just vlog about it like is any of that kind of stuff started to happen or so I reckon that well to answer your question partnerships yes they're starting to come in and now it's almost filling our inbox to where we are super selective about the ones that we take on okay about the places because we hit this quote celebrity status (laughs) um, during the pandemic no because a lot of travel kind of died which has led Mm. us to pivoting our channel to not just an international travel channel but also whatever our adventure happens to be at the time so when we were in Thailand and I had just had the baby it was this is our life in Thailand with a newborn. And yesterday we were looking at RVs, so maybe soon it'll be Chase for Adventure RVing through America. <laughs> you never know. Um, so I think that that day will come, uh, but it's not quite here yet, mostly because yeah. travel's not open. And like like she had said, we, we really didn't hit our following until mid-pandemic. Like we were stranded on an island that had access cut off because of lockdown. And then it was like, wow, our YouTube's growing. Oh, but travel's dead. We were like, what do we do? And so that's when she was saying we had to make the pivot. So it's starting to come in now. And especially being in the States, that really helps helps out a lot. Right. I saw that you guys were in like Thailand for like a long time, right? Yeah. And this is like a place that you love, that you would yes. go back to in a heartbeat, right? Um, I mean, was there any particular reason why you went there? And then like why you decided to stay there so long? So many reasons. Yeah, Yeah. so many reasons. So we chose Thailand simply based off the fact that it is the cheapest country in the world. Um, Flights to get there, I think we paid with points like 700 US dollars to get to the other side of the world for the two of us. And so it was fairly inexpensive. And then once you get there, accommodations like 10 bucks a night, you can eat for like a dollar, dollar 50. And so we were like, okay, let's start in a place, especially while we're learning YouTube and we're learning how to work online and live from a computer. Let's start in a place that's super cheap. And then we got there and we fell in love with it. We ended up getting like, practically adopted by a Thai woman who owned a noodle shop, wouldn't let us pay, so we ended up helping in a restaurant. For became, two weeks. Yeah, for two weeks. And then we became friends with their daughters, and then it just really led to us falling in love with Thai culture, falling in love with the language, the people, the country itself, just being an actual tropical paradise, and then everyone being so kind, literally to give the shirt off their back. And so we used it, I don't wanna say as a home base, but we always found an excuse to go back. And so over the last three years, we've been bouncing in and out, and actually every time seeing the lady that adopted us on that second week, we call her Kunme, which is mother in Thai, and she actually, she never told us her name. We, right. we just call her Kunme. And actually, so she has triplets. Their names are A, B, and C. I'm not making that up. And I'm D because they Aww. can't pronounce Annette. So. Yeah. <laughs> so it's D and Danielle. Yes. But actually, and so then, yes, we did end up staying there a long time. It wasn't the plan to stay there for that long, but we were actually in China, January 2020, when the pandemic broke out. But at the time, we didn't know it was a pandemic. It wasn't even called coronavirus. And my friend, who's Chinese, texted me going like, hey, by the way, there's an epidemic, wear a mask. And I'm like, epidemic, <laughs> pandemic. I'm, I, it doesn't know my immune system, you know? I've been in India. Uh, and we had just finished this huge travel stretch through India, Sri Lanka, China, and we were gonna go to South Korea after. 
well, we were going to be in China for the Chinese New Year, which was January 25th, and we were too broke for that. It was way too expensive to stay. So we're like, okay, well, let's go to South Korea. Thank God, because January 22nd, China closed its borders. Mm. We make it to South Korea, and everybody's wearing masks on the plane, and everybody's reading the same article, and we're like, what is going on? And in like multiple languages, like you see the same pictures, the same details on the website, but it's in like Korean, like English letters, Spanish, Chinese, Chinese. and you're like, what is going on? So we try and find it. And that's when we found out that this virus had made it from China to South Korea and we were flying to South Korea. Right, so now we're getting cryptic messages in Korean that we're having to ask our hostel hosts to translate for us, saying you need to go wear a mask, this is not safe, things are about to close down. Well, we end up staying in Korea for four days. And we were like, we need to get out. And so we left and then we missed their lockdown by four or five days. Right. And so then we make it to Thailand. We're like, okay, great. We were actually there to film a documentary also about Thailand and digital nomadism. And so we're then just chilling. We were there for a month. We were doing what we call a quote workation, which is where we just settle in an apartment, catch up on all the work, all of the vlogging that we've been doing, editing all of those videos before we do our next leg of of travel. Well, now this is February 24th. We're still not thinking that this pandemic is real because it's not a pandemic at the time. We're like, let's go to the Philippines. When we land in the Philippines in Manila Airport, all of the people from some cruise ship that had been stranded in the middle of the ocean for two weeks came in to Manila Airport that day. Yeah, (sighs) we kind of had a little bit of a panic, but we were like, you know what? I guess it's fine. We'll just not touch anything. We'll use hand sanitizer. Where do we buy hand sanitizer? Because it wasn't like widespread yet. And so... We Amazon just, Prime. Yeah, Amazon right. Prime, right? <laughs> if only we could get that in the Philippines. But it wasn't available. So we ended up doing our two weeks. And um, like Anna had said earlier, we run tours. And the next tours were going to be through Thailand. And when we were still like setting it up, and we were a week out and everything fell Everybody apart. Everybody canceled because obviously, well, a few of them were teachers and so they were told that if they left the country that they wouldn't have a job when they came back because they were going to Asian. At the time it was the Chinese virus or whatever people were calling it and there was a lot of like Asianophobia from anybody traveling to and from that area of the world and so they got canceled and so I was already planning to be back in Thailand for the tours. Daniel was gonna stay in the Philippines so I left without him. He's in the Philippines. And it was the night before that she was leaving and we were talking and I was supposed to stay for an extra two weeks and do some vlogging on my own. I had some friends on a different island, so I was going to meet rent a motorcycle and meet up with them. Uh, and we were, we were like, we got a bad gut feeling. Like if you're going to go to Thailand, the tours are canceled. Like we'll just scratch my flight, my accommodations will like sunk cost. Let, let's just go back to Thailand. Right. So I took like the long version of getting back and I missed the Philippines lockdown by less than 24 hours. Wow. And, and then, that one was really bad. You did not want to get stuck in the Philippines. Philippines. Yeah, to get from island to island is like a hassle and a half. And then on top of it, only select airports were offering flights out. And then the tickets ended up being like three grand or something like that. And so we had several friends that got stuck in the Philippines for two to three weeks trying to get to Spain, the UK, mm-hmm. the US, mm-hmm. uh, and they had a bad time. And so yeah. we, right before leaving the Philippines, Funny story, our flights had gotten canceled. We were gonna surprise our families after not seeing them for a year on March 26th. Well, since the things were ramping up with the pandemic and we had a connecting flight through Hong Kong, that flight was canceled. But a random girl that we met at a bar in Thailand, she (laughs) rescues dogs for a living, uh, stray dogs that tourists fall in love with in Thailand and then helps them, like facilitates the journey for them to go home with their uh, new owners. And so she needed some dogs that needed to be transported. Before anybody makes that joke, these dogs go 
through x-rays. There's no <laughs> drugs in them. I know the company. It's reputable. Um, but we had agreed to help her get uh, the pups to their families that were going to be going um, in Montreal. And she was going to pay the flights for us. Well, when Florida started ramping up in cases, we made the decision that I don't see the U.S. handling this well. No offense to the U.S. Um, but we were right. And I told her, is there a way that we can get round trip tickets back to Thailand? And she's like, actually, I have one better. I've been wanting to do a foster home for dogs in Thailand so that they can wait out the adoption process because 10% of them die, get hit by cars or starve or get murdered before they ever make it through the paperwork process to make it to their owners. And we said, yes. We were there for five months. It was the hardest five months of my life. It was 10 jungle dogs. We would literally take dogs that had to fight to the death for food and we would have to get them ready to be living in someone's home. Right. And so it was taking these dogs that were like, Intense. So is this like a paid thing or this is like a volunteer thing? It was a volunteer yeah. thing. It was a volunteer thing. It was kind of like, hey, we'll cover your stuff living there. Right. If you can just be there. We were yeah. like, okay, got it. And we'll- now this is the beginning of the pandemic. We don't know. Now it's for real. Now it's yeah. coronavirus. Yeah. People are dying. Countries are shut down. Italy is getting ravaged at this time. America's not doing well. And we're sitting here in Thailand going like, Oh, also our YouTube channel that had been recently blossoming from the Indian videos going live was dead. We were making a thousand dollars a month and it went down to thirty dollars mm. because everybody was allergic to even the word travel. And so now we have no income. We're in the middle of Asia. Uh, we're taking yep. care of these dogs. Yay, we have no expenses, but we also don't know what's next for us, what the life is gonna look like. So then that's when I became a VIP kid teacher, which is teaching ESL online. And I worked like an animal. I'm talking 50 hours a week, but I made $4,000 a month. Um, And I was able, and we were able to save off and pay off debt and do all of these things during those few months. And then we got into a horrible motorcycle accident. Yeah, so we were coming around a curve. We were actually looking for a spot to live on the other side of the island. We were like, you know what? Like, we're done with the dog things. It's been stressful. They're finding other people to come cover us. Like, we're gonna finally be able to relax in paradise. And on our way back from seeing our first apartment, someone tried overtaking a truck and rather than hitting another car head on, they just took us off the road. Mm. And so we got into a really bad motorbike accident, but how crazy is this? So we get into this accident in front of a full group of off duty paramedics. They were literally just on their day off having a beer outside and it happened to where like we hit the ground and we were immediately being treated. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, it, that was such a scary moment. I remember like looking over to net after we fell and being like, are you okay? And then looking down, trying to move my foot and the bike was actually stuck in my foot cause it had gone through and man. It, because- I passed out from that accident. I didn't have an arm that was working. I don't know what happened. With How long my- ago was this? Uh, uh, this was July of, two th- of last year, July of last year. Yeah, and so with that, we ended up going to the hospital, still had to teach that evening, so only missed one class, thank you very much. <laughs> um, and just taught with my, my foot propped up on a desk and Annette's hand like up in the air, right. <laughs> keeping blood flow <laughs> oh uh, low to it. And well, I was in extreme amounts of pain and they put me on tramadol because I was in agony. Well, it made me super sick to my stomach and I'm like, man, I just have a really bad reaction to this tramadol. and. The first day I was nauseous, the second day I was nauseous, and by the third day I took a pregnancy test and it was positive. No. Yeah. Yeah, so to reiterate, we're in the middle of Thailand, we're about to get deported because July 31st our amnesty was gonna be over, there's a pandemic ravaging the world, Daniel can't walk, I'm taking care of 10 dogs with one arm 
And I'm having a baby. And we lived in the surprise. jungle. Like they chased monkeys. Yeah, surprise. So why'd you guys want to do this whole chase for adventure uh, thing again? <laughs> you know, uh, after second thought and hearing all these stories, I'm kind of reconsidering. No. We're going back home. <laughs> no. Never traveling again. It's over. Our That's community it. makes a joke that we're chased for misadventures yeah. because we just get into all sorts of shenanigans. But you know what? In all of that, it was all a blessing in disguise. Thailand didn't have a single case of COVID until December of 2020. So as you can imagine, we were watching the TV like it was a reality TV show. Mm -hmm. I got pregnant. There was excellent medical care in Thailand that was extremely affordable. I'm talking like $30, my appointments, without insurance. Um, And then we were able to get a beautiful home nestled on a mountaintop with a view of the sunset and the ocean for $500 a month. Um, That was a palace. We literally called it the glass palace. (laughs) Exactly. It was fully like glass walls and it was amazing. A Muay Thai gym right at the bottom where I paid like $30 a month to train every single day. It was, yeah, I don't think we will ever have a a good enough setup as that. Right. I I literally told Daniel, this is my house, the housing peak of my life. I'm okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So I guess that kind of led into Annette having the baby in Krabby, Thailand, in a small like beach village. Uh, And then we hunkered down there for a few months and then my parents' health kind of took a turn. So we decided, especially while Apollo, our son, is really little, uh, and then come back and let the grandparents meet him. Uh, But just for a little bit, don't go too excited. September, Portugal, here we come. As long as my passport gets All right, so like, let me ask you, let me ask you that. Well, well, one, I'll say, that's why I'm so excited because I was able to get them here (laughs) while they're like literally in Gainesville for a little. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. You guys gotta come be on the show. I think we have one opening, let's do it. (laughs) So it all worked out, it was meant to be. Um, But I mean, like this, how much of this is planned versus free flowing? Because it sounds very free flowing. Like, I, like, are you like taking a dart and throwing it at a map? Or like, how's this happening? So, kind of. I mean, why, yeah. why, why Portugal next? You know, like these are the things that are going through my mind. I'm like, who? Like, how do you make these decisions? So we travel extremely free flowing. Uh, we are huge proponents of listening to your gut, go with the flow. If it's happening easily, it's probably meant to be. So just run with it. Uh, and you find all the best recommendations from other travelers so you can't really plan too far out in advance like we flew to Taiwan just to eat because everyone had kept telling me that the food was amazing and it was and it was and fell in love with the city but um and so anyway we also are I don't want to say followers that's a wrong term but I love Deepak Chopra and he has this book called The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success that talks about like the law of pure potentiality, how we are just energy and if good things are meant to happen, they're going to, you just have to be open. And so we live by those principles. If it's not meant to happen, I'm not sweating it because there's something else equally more amazing that's coming my way. And if it takes too much effort, then it wasn't for me. That's okay. I will find like, we don't, birds don't try to fly. They just fly. Flowers don't try to bloom. They just bloom. We just live our best life. It happens. <laughs> we manifest it. It happens. Yeah. And so like you would ask specifically about Portugal, a little bit different of a story because we are kind of in pandemic land and figuring everything out. And so we had decided on Portugal because we were wanting to get into Europe, especially with having a, a small baby and wanting to do train travel. Um, but Portugal actually is like planning to have like 70% of their population vaccinated by September. And so they are kind of broadcasting that like, hey, our population's vaccinated, we're gonna be open. So there's a lot less chances of a lockdown, especially I feel like you sneeze and Europe locks down. So we were looking for a place for that. And even that's still kind of up in the air at the moment, unfortunately, because I had to renew my passport. And they had said six weeks max turnaround time. And six months yeah. later. Now, so yeah, 100%. I gave it up in the end of June, thinking that I'd, I'd have it at least by like the end of August. And 
No. It doesn't no. look like that's going to happen. Mm. No. Also, to answer why Portugal, we try and follow digital nomad hubs around the world because that means that there's good internet, good food, good community, good coffee shop culture. And so Portugal is actually the number one hub in Europe for digital nomads. And so for us, we always look for community, especially because as you can imagine, moving around from country to country every two to four weeks can get kind of lonely. Even though Daniel's amazing, it's also nice to talk to <laughs> other people every now and then. Actually, I was going to ask that like do you guys get, ever get sick of each other like being around each other all the time Daniel's uh, falling out of the chair over yeah. <laughs> this is to dodge the question <laughs> this was planned sorry what was that next question huh? <laughs> um, no we um, obviously like when you're traveling and spending all your time with each other no, I can't even be like, honestly, something happens. I, I love my wife. I got I super lucky in the sense of like, I want to spend every second with her. So I feel like for us in our relationship, it works out so smooth. Right. Where I fall short, she picks up. And where she falls short, I pick up. And Which so, actually, to give you an example, I'm, a, I'm so spoiled traveling with Daniel. I don't even know what a wallet looks like. I couldn't tell you what the currencies of half of the countries that we've been to look like. We have a joint bank account, but Daniel handles all of the finances. He's the one who pays, who handles all of the logistics. If we're getting in a taxi, he's the one calling it. And one time I had to travel without him to go do the tours in Australia. And I like showed up to the 7-Eleven, grabbed all of the, like my water, my snacks. And I just stood there staring at the lady and she's looking at me like, ma'am, are you going to pay? And I'm like, oh, that's right. I need to pay for this. Where's my husband? Right? No, but we love like spending all of our time together. We, we would not have it any other way. And we've met quite a few people that travel full time and they feel the same way. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. Like how many other, like, are there any digital nomads out there that you admire that you like, that you're kind of chasing to meet or that you have met? Yeah. I mean, like, well, how has um, the community of digital nomads really, you know, blossomed through this experience? So actually, uh, we fangirled part, a little. We, <laughs> which time did we fangirl a little which, bit? Uh, go ahead. I'll tell them. You'll tell. Okay. So for the people that we have fangirled over, Kara uh, and Nate, they were a big inspiration for us to travel the world and do this lifestyle in the first place. And we got to meet them in Chiang Mai, Thailand, November of 2018. And that was the coolest thing in the whole wide world. Um, but outside of that, finding community, I mean, yes, you can meet them at coffee shops, but because I almost felt like I never could find my people. It was usually older digital nomads. That's part of why I started our course, Worker to Wander. It's not just a course on how to become a digital nomad. It's rounding up all of the people who are either current digital nomads or wanna be digital nomads into one Zoom call. And then we meet up around the world. And so that's something that I've really loved about that because I'm able to learn and be inspired by people who are literally my peers. Um, and so, yeah, so that's what we how it yeah, is. Yeah, because when you're on the road, I, I don't wanna say you don't necessarily meet as many digital nomads. You meet more people who have have been like on gap year or they've been like, you know what, screw it. I'm just gonna quit my job or my job will let me go for a year. I'm just gonna go traveling. And we've met some amazing people through that. But I, I think that meeting people that work online, it's been a little more scarce than not. Right, and also there's only so many times that you can meet travelers and have the same conversation. How long have, are you traveling for? Where are you from? What countries have you been to? Where are yeah. you going next? That gets old and you feel a void when that happens. And so I would say Facebook groups is actually yeah. another place where we've met a lot of really amazing digital nomads to meet up with because it's people who get it. It's people who have no intention of settling down. Uh, you're not asking them, oh, when are you going home? Because they're, they're living their life right now. This is home for the time being. 
being. Um, and they're free. Their priorities in life are so different. Uh, and it's kind of hard to explain that to some of the people here because, for example, normal people work a job whether they have expenses or not, right? You get a paycheck every two weeks and you can count on that. Sometimes you save it, sometimes you go to Bush Gardens and spend $500, sometimes you go to the beach, etc. Us, we work on the demand of our lifestyle. Sometimes we save a whole bunch of money and then we don't work for three months. Sometimes we wanna go to Portugal and we're busting our booties 50 hours a week for three weeks until we save enough money so that we can go on an extended vacation. And that's something that other digital nomads get because they prioritize living life, not prioritize like the security of a paycheck. Okay, but at the same time, really, really quick, cause I'm, I'm trying to like pull in this long-term perspective, this long-term game, right? Like what, what about re- like retirement and the things that, you know, those other important things in life because now we have now we have a baby now we have a baby yeah right and how old's the baby uh, five months old so Apollo is five months old yes and now we gotta start thinking about his future right yeah like, absolutely. so I mean given that and the the you know fluctuality of you know this lifestyle I mean how much time are you spending on those the long term plans right like Apollo's future and and retirement for example so- so I think a huge misconception with working online and being a digital nomad is that you only make enough money to live and you're very nearsighted and not future oriented. But I like to think we have the best of both worlds. Right. Um, because like for us, for example, we have a, f- I can never remember the name, 401k? No, Roth IRA. Roth IRA. There we go. Okay. So we have a Roth IRA. We also have a joint tenant uh, investment account. And so keep in mind, we make American dollars and would be living in Thailand, in Vietnam, in the Philippines, where the cost of living is like a Very tenth little. of what it is in America. So you're able to save a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of money. And so for us, like we have no worries about our retirement. Our retirement account, since we were 21, we were depositing money into yeah. our retirement account. And it's only grown over the years. And it's only grown when we started traveling and we're living at a fraction of the cost of the United States. And then you have to think, we don't pay for insurance. We don't pay um, anything, phone bills. Yeah, it's very, and it's very, I don't wanna say limited, but it's very inexpensive. Like our travel insurance was like $30 a month and it's for accidents if you need it. Because when you go like to Malaysia and you need teeth, like tooth care, you get it for an extremely low price. And so you learn where to get medical care abroad and and all sorts of things like a phone bill, 10 bucks a month for the fastest internet you ever had. Right. Rental apartments are bountiful in in other parts of the world. They already come fully furnished. They're $300 a month. They include the utilities and the internet and everything you could possibly want. Food in Thailand is a dollar a meal. Literally a dollar. It cost me more to get a coffee than it cost me to get a pad thai at a street vendor. (laughs) Honestly. Wow. And so when you're thinking that overall, our entire lifestyle in Thailand was max $700 a month living luxuriously him doing personal training in Muay Thai meat never cooking eating out having a housekeeper that would work for us twice a week eight hours a day $15 a day and we paid her the highest salary for a housekeeper and so when you take that all into consideration and we're making American dollars I mean we are very future-minded yeah <laughs> it's like yeah, it's true. I mean, it's 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 incredible. I mean, it's it's eye opening to me. So how? Well, let me let's talk about Apollo for a second. Yeah. So because you said you know after this motorcycle accident and and the sickness, right? You realize that you were pregnant. So I mean, was this not planned? 
No, no. surprise. It's completely unexpected. Yeah. Absolutely. So how has Apollo adapted to this uh, <laughs> travel life? I mean, because most people will be like, traveling with a baby is a nightmare. Who would want to yeah. do right. that? And right. I feel like so many people warned us about that because obviously he was born in Thailand and he's going to at some point have to make like the 36 hour travel day to the States. And he is a little rock star. Really? He is. It's got to be in his blood. He is our (laughs) little traveler. He was the easiest kid. I think. Has he screamed like on a plane? No. Never. Stop it. We were on two planes, minimum 15 hours. And then we took a couple short flights for like three hours. The kid is out like a light on the short flights. And He's then been on six airplanes. Has he really? Not one time has he cried. No yeah. way. Not no, no, no. Once. once. Not for a second. Once because he was hungry. <laughs> there was one okay, time where he the, was like, eh, uh, eh. Does and, not count yeah, <laughs> as like the screaming, screaming you yeah. hear of these children. And we go to get comments from the flight attendants like, wow, he's so good. It's like, yeah, he was born for this. What can I say? <laughs> no, we got really lucky. The second one is going to be a gremlin. Just be unprepared for it. But oh he gosh. has been wonderful. And I think also people just find reasons to be negative or to instill fear. Everybody, I think, wants to like bestow their wisdom. When in reality, I think that they are speaking from a place of fear and from their past experiences of comfort, right? Like I think that there's something to be said about having a home and stability and furniture and, and a car and a life. Yeah. I respect that. Not this lifestyle isn't for everybody, but for the people who love their lifestyle mm. as digital nomads, they live for it. You know what I mean? And I also think the child is like born into that and kind of raised with it. Like they are going to have a routine. They're going to have something established. They're not necessarily going to go out and be on airplanes, on boats, on motorbikes, on traveling and stuff like that. So I think we kind of started them early. Right. That's awesome. And my whole entire pregnancy, I was on the back of a motorcycle. I know that's not going to sit well with some of your (laughs) listeners, but that's the lifestyle in Thailand. You know, and that's something like we've said since the beginning is whenever we go into a country, we've adopted. And Thailand is very Wild West-esque, which is why I think for Apollo, it was so easy to get into this travel lifestyle because it is everybody, babies on a motorcycle, on boats, in springs. Seriously, we lived (laughs) in Chang. Go ahead. No, no. On Chang, we saw little three-year-olds and five-year-olds hopping in a little gang with their little bicycles to go to the river by themselves, no adults. Oh <laughs> They're playing with sticks, trying to throw rocks at the monkeys, trying to like throw sticks at the monitor lizards, and they are just living their best life. Three, five, the oldest one is a seven-year-old, and you can tell he's like, you know the meerkats when they're in like the desert, like doing this? <laughs> like just making sure mom and dad aren't around so that they don't get into trouble. But that's the lifestyle. And so I think after seeing that kind of lifestyle yeah. and how kids are brought up and they're so much more durable than we give them credit for, we've kind of taken a lot of those principles for Apollo too. Absolutely. There's so much energy in you guys. And so like, the. You know, I, I, I had a question like, so have you found fulfillment? But it's so obvious to me that the answer is heck yes, you yes. know? So my question would be for anyone struggling to find fulfillment, like what would your advice be? Because I feel like there's probably a lot of people that are kind of in, in that place you once were. I mean, is the answer to sell everything and travel the world? Or like, what's the answer? I think that the answer is gonna change and vary for every single person. Mm -hmm. For me, I knew travel was in my blood from the moment that I went and studied abroad in Italy in 2015. I never felt fulfilled again from 2015. After I left Italy, I never, I've always felt that void. 
So for me, it was a very natural step, which is why you heard Daniel say, hey, I've already applied for jobs to Italy because that's where my heart was. I wanted to get back out and travel again. For some people, that may mean switching careers. You know, I think a lot of people get caught up in climbing this corporate ladder. They're 25 years into a career, realize that they're miserable and don't want to get onto another ladder. But why stay on the ship that's going in the wrong direction? You know, I would much rather get off that ship get lost at sea for a little while, but then find the ship I'm meant to be on. And so that's what I would say to those people who are lacking fulfillment. You need to make the change. Yeah, and on top of that, like for us- It's like crazy outside. (laughs) (laughs) For us, it was really no amount of money can take away my freedom and my happiness. And at the end of the day, we were dinks before we left. Double income, no kids. We were obviously still paying off debt, but we were making a good income and a good living for ourselves. And we and should have been yeah, happy. We should have been should happy have been and happy. we we weren't. And so when we went traveling, we make a fraction of that, but you know, I, I don't really sweat what's in the bank account. Like money comes and goes and obviously we're smart with what does come in and we find ways to make more of it. But at the end of the day, like I'll never chase a paycheck anymore. I'll always chase the experience, the quality time, because at the end of the day, I'm never going to get my twenties back. My twenties are being lived to the fullest. And that's because Annette and I made a decision to chase what made us happy. Right. Money's just the happy side bonus. Absolutely. This is so awesome. <laughs> I'm like just smiling like crazy. Uh, so my final question will be, well, I got two questions, but what does the family think now? Right? <laughs> now that you've gone through all of this and obviously you're very successful at it. And, I mean, what did they, what do they think? I mean, now you're coming home and you had the baby. Yeah. The baby was born overseas. And I mean, I'm sure they were like thrilled to meet the baby. I mean, what like where's family at with all this now? There's actually a great PBS documentary on us that just came out that talks about the the sad reality of that. Um most for the most part everybody's super duper happy um on the other hand i still don't think that they understand what they do what we do in a lot of ways yeah i think just now that like because since we're back in the states and we want to spend time with family we've just been staying in their spare bedroom and i think now that they're seeing our lifestyle they understand for the last few weeks um but up until that i think they were very much on the camp of like they do something on the computer and it makes the money so they seem happy mom even touched on in the documentary she felt actually cheated when we were overseas and especially since Annette gave birth in Thailand, she was like, that was an experience that I wanted to have with my child. But she openly said at the end of the day, you just want what's best for your child. You want your child to be happy. And she told us that she feels like we found that. And so she's happy for us in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. My final question is where, where is one place that you haven't been that is absolutely on the list? Want to go? We've been a lot of places. I know. Any dream, any dream spots? All of them? Yeah, right? I, I'm like Is there any place thinking. that you're kind of like, no way, we'll never go? Not at all. No, no, not at, not all. at all. We will. It's all open. It, yeah, it is all open. I'm a huge proponent of like, let's see the world. And especially now that we're raising Apollo, I want to get him uh, not assimilated to other cultures, but experiencing the, the variety of people that we have on this earth. Because I think our differences are beautiful. And mm-hmm. especially when you go to a country and you allow yourself to experience it, it's an amazing thing. But I don't think there's one specific place. No, I'm really excited to go to Portugal. Yeah. I mean, we've been doing all of the research and the Azores look beautiful and the Algarve looks beautiful. Oh and so I think we get just as excited as if it was like our most favorite country every time that we're getting ready to go to a new country. That's awesome. 
Well, tell our audience where they can follow this adventure, where they, where they can connect with you guys. Yeah, so you can follow us and connect with us all on a lot of social media platforms, at Chase for Adventure on YouTube, at Chase for Adventure on Instagram. We're looking at starting TikTok, yeah. uh, especially after I hearing think, one of your last podcasts. TikTok. I, feel, <laughs> I can see this TikTok, Thanks. Know, this connection, and this, yeah, I can totally see that vibe between you guys. We, doing... we may try it out, so keep it up. And But then also our <laughs> website at chaseforadventure.com. And if you did want to become a digital nomad, you can also find us at Chase for Adventure forward slash worker to wander where you can look at more of the course. Yeah, I mean, I'm basically made the decision after this podcast to sell the business, sell all the property, <laughs> sell everything in our house. Shannon, I hope you're ready. We're going to be digital nomads. We're leaving. We're going. Converts. I love I've it. Got this. I can guide you. <laughs> we'll see how that conversation goes when I get home. <laughs> Uh, well, you guys, thanks again so much for coming. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so yeah. much for having us. It was great. And James, thanks for all the production that you do on the show, man. Really appreciate it. And podcast fam, remember that you can connect with all the incredible incredible sponsors that make this show possible. Just go to whoagnv.com forward slash sponsors and please support them because they are the reason that we can bring you great episodes like this one. And special love this episode to my friends over at Leonardo's Mill Hopper. You guys, when I finished working a long long, 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 long day <laughs> and I'm exhausted and I'm about to head home for the day. You know, I always drop my wife, Shannon, that text. It's like, hey, babe, what, what are we doing for dinner? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't have like the in-house nanny to like do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the, in that, Thailand? Oh, you can have that, right? Yeah, I mean, you can. Amazing. It's pretty cheap. <laughs> See you there, babe? We got to go to Thailand. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it's it's that response that I get. It's the no idea. I'm still here. I'm still here with the boys at soccer. Well, I know that means that it's going to be a Leonardo's Millhopper kind of night. I leave the scooter dealership, cruise down to their convenient location, grab a local brew, and wait for my incredible Chicago-style pizza and delicious creamy garlic knots to come out of the oven. The best part is, when I get home, the family only eats like a slice or two because they're so big. So that means I get like five or six slices for myself and I get to take them to work and it lasts me so long, you guys. It's the best ever. It's the perfect meal to wrap up a busy day, so give the team at Leonardo's Mill Hopper a call and order takeout today. You can reach them at 352-376-2001 or you can order online at leonardosmillhopper.com. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. Local business, wonderful service, and incredible food. And when you call them, be sure to say, I heard you on the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast for you businesses and individuals and digital nomads that make you go, whoa. Whoa. <sighs> <laughs> we'll see you later. <laughs> Bye.